Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning at 6 o'clock here on the 50,000-watt front porch for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, the U.S. is negotiating for the release of Americans in North Korea. And tests launches from Cape Canaveral. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And we're hopping on the Trump train on North Korea, Syria, and Gorsuch. Right off the top on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning, otherwise known as Friday Eve at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. President Trump says the U.S. is negotiating for the release of three American prisoners in North Korea. During a news conference at his Mar-a-Lago resort, Trump said the U.S. campaign of maximum pressure on North Korea is working. The fact is that they do have three prisoners. Uh, we have been talking about them. We're negotiating now. We are doing our very best. As you know, they've been there a long time. And it's harsh treatment. He also thanked China for help with North Korea. The president hopes to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in coming weeks, and he warned that he would leave the meeting if it's not generating results. Trump again called for a denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The NTSB is interviewing the crew of the Southwest Airlines flight that was forced into an emergency landing after an engine blew up. At a news conference yesterday, NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt said an official transcript from the plane's cockpit voice recorder will be made public. A female passenger was killed Tuesday when she was partially pulled through a window that broke during the explosion. She was pronounced dead after the plane made an emergency landing in Philadelphia. Two people are dead and another five injured after a mass shooting in North Carolina. Two of those have life-threatening injuries. Police in Asheville responded to the scene around 10.30 Wednesday night but aren't releasing much information. The names of the victims are also being withheld until next of kin have been notified. Federal investigators say a recent theft of explosives from a work site in Pennsylvania is bigger than they originally thought. This is a troubling story. ATF investigators learned yesterday an additional case of dynamite is missing. That means thieves stole more than 700 pounds of explosives from a work site in Lancaster County, not 640 pounds as first reported. The thieves also made off with 400 blasting caps. Uh, blasting caps, rather, the ATF is offering a $10,000 reward. Back here in the Sunshine State, two survivors of the uh, South Florida high school shooting are writing a book about the massacre. David Hogg and his sister Lauren are writing a book called Hashtag Never Again about February's mass shooting in Parkland and about the gun control movement it inspired. He said on Twitter that money made from the book would be used to help heal the community. A statement from Random House says Hogg's book is, quote, the voices of a new generation that are speaking truth to power and are determined to succeed where their elders have failed, end quote. And finally, NASA's Planet Hunting Telescope is on its way into space after a successful launch from Cape Canaveral. Liftoff, the SpaceX Falcon 9 carrying Tess, a planet hunting spacecraft that will search for new worlds beyond our solar system. NASA's TESS, or Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, is designed to look for planets beyond the solar system that might support life. The two-year mission will pick up where the Kepler Space Telescope left off after discovering about 3,700 exoplanets. TESS will focus on some 200,000 nearby stars called red dwarfs. The SpaceX launch was delayed for two days by a problem with the Falcon 9 rocket's guidance system. The first stage of the rocket, though, successfully landed on a drone ship just minutes after the launch. 
I planned all day. So did I. To go out and watch this. And I blew it. I missed it. So did I, bud. All day I was like, leave a note on the fridge. Leave a note on the fridge. Leave a note on the fridge. Don't forget there's a launch. Go stand in the in the front yard and watch the launch. And like you, I'm watching the news going, darn it. It's Trump's fault in my world. You know why? Because he held this news conference with the prime minister of Japan at Mar-a-Lago Right at 6 o'clock last night, you know, made all the cable stations who hate him cover him for a solid hour. I got riveted to it because it was extended show prep for me. All of a sudden, I'm looking up. He's done. It's 5 after 7, and the whole SpaceX thing is done. I know. How insensitive of him. How could he do that to you, bud? How could he do that? Come on. I've been on the Trump train. He owes me a little (laughs) bit of loyalty here, or at least a heads up. Why didn't Sarah Sanders call me at 645 and say, Bud, man, I know you're watching this, but they're going to launch in six minutes. My phone never rang. He owes you a, at least a basket of mini muffins. You know, my other part that I was upset what, about what, what? was uh, I watched Channel 9 as they covered the launch last night. And we're used to seeing the launch. But then as the first stage of the rocket was coming back down, they went back to regularly sc- scheduled programming. Oh, and that's, I think that, that, that's, that's the, the best. G-Wiz show. Exactly. We've seen launches. What yeah. we don't get to see is the landing of the first stage of the rocket. So. Which was out at sea on a platform and apparently was successful. It was successful on that drone ship whose name is, of course, I still love you, but I'm not feeling that way about uh, about local news this morning because they denied me the chance. So we're both complaining about the launch. Yeah, and I'm going to put my gripe against the president, tongue in cheek, aside in a moment, and we'll be hopping on the Trump train. Anyway, there we go. Well, WFLA news time at 6:07, and uh, check out our website where you can watch a stranger comforting a hysterical toddler on a flight, and of course, the two become best friends. Check it out. Ah, yeah, 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. So, this will teach us to resist our temptation to strangle <laughs> those annoying little kids on a flight, right? Yes, and exactly. And go hug them in love. Them. Go, you know, I, I actually have a story <laughs> like that. I was quite the child who would. Uh, Make your trip a nightmare because I never shut up. It's nothing's changed. No. Nothing has changed. <laughs> exactly. Some man even wrote a poem for my mom on a napkin, and it ended with something like, after sitting next to you, I need a trip to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Deb will catch you with breaking news and top bottom of the hour all morning long. You got my it. My co-host will be back right here heading for the newsroom now as we join you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Yeah, we're on the Trump train on a number of fronts. we got a really busy show, a lot of hot topics, local and national, and I'll definitely want your take on them. We're going to be talking later in this half hour, or later in this hour, about why reading scores for American students have remained flat for like 20 years, despite Herculean efforts and gazillions of dollars being spent. Why can't we get the reading scores up? We'll have that conversation in the next half hour. First of all, the Trump train. 
But ahead of that, I want you to stay tuned right now for your shot at winning your share of $880,000 in cash in our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Just listen for our new keyword of the hour. It's coming right up. Then text that keyword to 200-200. Yeah, you could be our next $1,000 winner. So we've got that and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic coming your way in only two minutes. So buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride, and we wouldn't want to take it without you. All of this and the update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. First question for you of the morning, and I'll be posing many between now and 9 o'clock on a host of topics. Are you in favor of President Trump holding a face-to-face summit meeting with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un? And where do you want that meeting to be held if you want it to be held at all? 407-916-5400 would be the number. And if you want to text me, do so. Never busy. 23680 on the text line where your standard message and data rates apply, of course. I am in favor of this. We've been going nowhere with uh, North Korea for more than 50 years. I think Trump scared the tar out a little rocket man and the rest of the gang over there uh, in North Korea. And now all of a sudden, diplomacy is taking hold. It has been revealed that the Trump pick for Secretary of State, current CIA Director Mike Pompeo, traveled secretly to North Korea over Easter weekend and met face-to-face with Kim Jong-un. And that has set the table for the planned meeting between Trump and Kim Jong-un sometime probably in late May or in June. I'm all over this as long as we're not getting snookered by North Korea, and we have been over many, many administrations in this regard, okay? We're talking denuclearization. It is worth extending ourselves to a point to try and get that done, The president, I like what he said in this regard about what he is willing to do and what he is willing not to do um, as this summit uh, looms in the future. Here he is down at Mar-a-Lago. We've never been in a position like this with that regime, whether it's father, grandfather, or son. And uh, I hope to have a very successful meeting. If we don't think it's going to be successful, Mark, we won't have it. We won't have it. Uh, If I think that it's a meeting that is not going to be fruitful, we're not going to go. If the meeting when I'm there is not fruitful, I will respectfully leave the meeting and we'll continue what we're doing or whatever it is that will continue, but something will happen. So uh, I like always remaining flexible and we'll remain flexible here. No wonder I missed the SpaceX launch. I mean, the president was compelling in this news conference down there at Mar-a-Lago with his with the Japanese prime minister. They called each other Shinzo and Donald the whole meeting. Boy, nothing like a round of golf, okay? But at any rate, have you heard about the president's plan for Syria? This is not getting enough coverage. I'll get into it here in a moment and how he got absolutely shafted by his conservative Supreme Court pick, Neil Gorsuch, on on immigration. Good morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. Yaffe, you okay with a Kim Jong-un, Donald Trump summit? I think, you know, I mean, 
Uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained. You keep on doing the same thing, expecting different results. That's the classic definition of insanity. That's what one administration has done after another. The president breaks the mold every time, and and he's done it again here. And I I think that uh, I think this is a good thing. And I don't know what's going to come of it, but it's worth a shot. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And Trump has made it pretty clear that he's not going to concede much of anything that he wants them to make a lot of concessions and that's good yeah so we have to i'm I'm with you i'm i'm optimistic but we have to be cautious but it seems like trump is doing things right here so by the way you have an opportunity to talk about that because you're on the air in prime time with your own show tonight yes i'm on 8 to 9 p.m tonight and i'll definitely give my opinion on that plus a lot of other things going on now there are five locations that get mentioned here where they might hold this summit I'm in favor of Kim Jong-un, this punk dictator from North Korea, doing the traveling. I don't want our president traveling farther than he is going to travel. I don't like the optics of that, okay? The most powerful man in the world from the greatest nation on earth ought to be able to call the shots. I don't want him in the United States, at least not on the mainland, but I don't like some of these locations. What, give folks an idea of what they're I, talking about. Yeah, I don't think you like any of these locations, actually. Uh, one place is the Mongolian capital. Mongolia is right between Russia and China. No, thank you. It's yeah. the other side of the world. No, short trip for Kim, long trip I, for Trump doesn't work. I've never heard of a summit meeting at in Mongolia. Have you ever heard of a summit meeting like this in Mongolia? I've never heard of anything going on in Mongolia. <laughs> That's a good point. It's like um, a black hole in the middle of that hemisphere. Go that's ahead. a great point. Um, the next option is the demilitarized zone that's between North no, and South Korea. Same reason. Yeah. Too much travel for Trump, none for Kim. It makes us look like we're somehow beholden to him and we're not. Uh, another option is a neutral European capital like Stockholm or Geneva. Yeah, maybe. So that's okay. Another option is a location at sea, like Jeju Island or on a ship or something. Yeah, maybe a U.S. battleship. That would be good. That would be actually or an aircraft really... carrier. The aircraft carrier Ronald Reagan. Yeah, let's do that. I like that idea. Ooh, the aircraft carrier Ronald Reagan. That's a great idea. Will, thank you. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> uh, another option is somewhere in Southeast Asia, like Singapore, Malaysia. Okay, I'm done with that. Let me move on to something else here. May I? Have you heard enough anything about this Trump Syria plan as reported in the Wall Street Journal? I made note of this. I'm hearing nothing about it. Uh, The new national security advisor, John Bolton, who I think is going to be absolutely awesome on behalf of the president, is um, communicating on the issue of Syria when we get out. And the president's committed to doing that, okay? About Arab nations creating and funding and providing troops for an Arab force that replaces U.S. forces and deals with the situation in Syria, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the UAE, they've all been approached. Egypt might be the linchpin. They did send 30,000 troops, as you'll recall, into the Gulf War on our side. That's a good idea, not getting enough attention. And I got to tell you, what a stab in the back by Neil Gorsuch, the conservative Supreme Court pick uh, by President Bush, who's just awesome, generally speaking. But he cast a vote with the liberals on this um, um, 5-4 defeat and rejection of a, of a law that makes it harder to get rid of violent immigrants in this country via the deportation route. I didn't like what I saw there. 
Deborah Roberts uh, joining us now for the newsroom to get us all up to date. And as you're about to point out, there's a lot more to negotiations with North Korea than denuclearization, which we've been discussing, right? Yeah, exactly. President Trump, in fact, says the U.S. is working for the release of three American prisoners in North Korea. During a news conference at his Mar-a-Lago resort Wednesday, Trump said the U.S. campaign of maximum pressure on North Korea is paying off. He also thanked China for its efforts with North Korea. The president hopes to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in the near future, but he also warned that he would leave the meeting if it isn't productive. Trump called for a denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Four Democrats running for governor of the Sunshine State square off in their first debate of the campaign. Gwen Graham is the only woman in the race, and she was the favorite target for fellow Democrats Andrew Gillum, Chris King, and Philip Levine. Seem to be the one. Uh, it's okay. Gwen and the men. But Gillum says their criticism of Graham has nothing to do with gender. Well, it isn't just about uh, the men against the women. Uh, the records do matter. Graham was criticized for crossing party lines and working with Republicans while serving in Congress, but she says cooperation is a good thing, especially in a state where the GOP controls the legislature. Matt Gates is part of what the congressman calls an effort to fight corruption at all levels of the federal government. In a letter yesterday to Attorney General Jeff Sessions and FBI Director Christopher Wray, the 1st District Republican and other GOP members ask for an investigation into officials from the Obama administration. The letter says if former officials, including Hillary Clinton and James Comey, broke the law, then they need to be held accountable. Fellow congressman and Republican candidate for governor Ron DeSantis also signed onto the letter. And finally, the Seminole Tribe is showing what one Florida lawmaker calls good faith in a new deal. The tribe and the state announced yesterday they'll extend their agreement on sharing gambling revenue until May 2019. The agreement comes as lawmakers consider calling a special session to allow for more slot machines across the Sunshine State. While State Senator Bill Galvano calls the deal a positive step, he also tells the Times-Herald the tribe's announcement will not affect what lawmakers decide about slot machines. And you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Absolutely right, Deb, and let's bring her in live from the New York City Bloomberg Newsroom. Good Thursday morning, Gina. Good Thursday morning, bud. You're tapping away there, so <laughs> I know this is like totally up to date. What you're about to bring us on the stock market's performance yesterday and your check on the futures for us this morning. Well, right now the futures are slipping just a little bit here. Nothing too dramatic as investors await some weekly updates on jobless claims and consumer comfort. We get the March index of leading economic indicators and Procter & Gamble is among those reporting earnings today. We had the broader U.S. equity market edging a bit higher yesterday amid some mixed earnings results. We had oil prices up. That helped boost energy producers. The S&P added two points, almost a tenth of a percent, and closed at 2709. IBM's earnings weighed on the Dow, however, and it was down 39 to 24,748. The Nasdaq was up 14 to 72.95, and the Bloomberg Orlando index was up about three-tenths of a percent, so it did a little better in the broader market. There you go. And we have a Florida focus on your next item here in the Bloomberg Business Report as the Beige Book um, is issued results from the district that covers the Sunshine State. What can you tell us? Yep, that's right. And that is the Atlanta district. The Beige Book showed economic activity rising modestly in March into early April. 
Contacts in the district still reporting difficulties filling positions in high-demand, high-growth sectors. Many noted steady but modest wage pressures. Retail sales were stable. Manufacturers noted an increase in new orders. That's good news. Bankers reported solid commercial and consumer loan growth in the district. Okay, now in two hours here, as all of our regulars know, we have the uh, house call with our Dr. Ken Kronhaus breaking health and medical news. That's at 840 on Thursday morning. You've got some really important medical news for us here on the Bloomberg Business Report now. The big drug maker AstraZeneca's drug Tegriso has been approved as a first-line treatment for a common form of lung cancer in the U.S., giving more patients access to the company's top-selling oncology medicine. The FDA approved Tegriso as an initial treatment for patients whose tumors have cancer-linked mutations in genes that make a certain protein. All right, then, do you shell out for Amazon Prime? I think it's $99 a year, then you get free shipping and all of your Amazon orders. Boy, I'll tell you, that's gotten popular, and you have some other Amazon news for us this morning. Take it away on that, Gina. Well, the CEO, Jeff Bezos, in his annual shareholder letter says that the e-commerce giant has surpassed 100 million paid Prime subscribers and last year drew more new members than in any previous year. Meanwhile, a firm called OneClick Retail says that Amazon consumer packaged food item sales in the first quarter surged 48 percent over the same period a year earlier. Of course, back in September, Amazon bought Whole Foods. Yeah, absolutely right. More to come on that. And Disney putting value on Hulu. What's the story, Gina? Yes, Disney puts an $8.7 billion value on the streaming service that it will control if its takeover of 21st Century Fox goes through as planned. Disney laid out the valuation in a joint filing with Fox in which the companies disclose details of their merger. Disney is buying most of Fox Entertainment's assets in a $52.4 billion all-stock deal, which we've talked about here. Of course, Hulu's value would still be dwarfed by that of Netflix, which is the biggest streaming service out there. Absolutely. The big kahuna of them all. Gina Cervetti with the Bloomberg Business Report. Have a great day in New York, and we'll look for your report same time tomorrow morning, Gina. Thank you. Thanks, bud. Have a great day. Well, you too. And coming right up across the country, it's not just a Florida thing. It's a coast-to-coast thing. Students reading scores in America, despite all the efforts to raise them, have stayed flat for 20 years years. What's the problem? Who or what is to blame? Love to hear particularly from you students, your parents, and you teachers or school administrators. I'll tell you what some experts are saying, and I am not one of them, but I've got some opinions on this as well. Why can't we get the reading scores and the reading proficiency of American kids up? Stays flat no matter what we do. What's the deal and how do we change it? It's so important that you learn how not only to read well, but to comprehend well. I mean, everything about your education and your your future hinges on that, does it not? We'll talk about it. 407-916-5400, if you want to join the conversation, text me at 23680, knowing standard message and data rates apply there. We have an update, of course, just ahead here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA on news, weather, and traffic. Stick around be flat-out impossible for me to do this show without being able to read well, to read with speed, and to be able to comprehend, to retain what I read. This is like studying for final exams five days a week. 
doing a show like that. I'm not doing that to pat myself on the back, but I'm telling you that reading is absolutely critical to this. There is no way I could be competitive and put a show on the air worth listening to if I had not been well-schooled in reading. And I think I was. My mother always was reading to me. We were always reading in school. We were reading books about all kinds of things and having to put in book reports in second and third grade and all of this. I don't know that reading is nearly the priority now that it once was. An exhaustive piece in the Atlantic Daily headline, Why American Students Haven't Gotten Better at Reading in 20 Years, points out that reading scores basically across the country have been flat since 1998, 20 years, and just a third or so of students in this country are performing in terms of reading at a level that the National Assessment of Educational Progress, the nation's report card, defines as proficient. That's pathetic, and I think it's really dangerous for our future in this country in terms of our ability to compete in the world. A panel of experts in Washington, D.C., just convened by um, federally appointed officials who oversee this nation's report card on reading, concluded that the root of the problem is the way schools teach reading. The current instructional approach, they agreed, is based on assumptions about how kids learn that have been disproven by research over the last several decades, research the education world has largely failed to heed. They continue and say the longstanding view has been that the first several years of elementary school should be devoted to basic reading skills, that history, science, and the arts can wait. And now, here in Florida and elsewhere, there is an obsession with teaching reading for the standardized reading tests. And that puts on the shelf really in-depth reading by students and even young students on subjects like history and science. And they say that the way the brain works, if you are reading about things of substance and great interest, you will tend to become a better reader and you will have better reading comprehension to be able to retain and really make use of what it is you have read. But when it's just teaching the basics of reading to whatever standardized test the kids will face, they just don't perform as well. I think that's part of it. These folks are the experts. I am not. But I've got to tell it. I see it with my own family. I don't see, I don't see a lot of books around the house and a lot of books being read. Oh, I see picture books or whatever with the really young ones, et cetera, but beyond that, Kids just spending their time curled up in a chair reading a book. I just don't see it. And I think, I think everybody is getting things different ways now. They're getting information visually, you know, with our social media, with our, with our screens of all kinds, with our smartphones, our, our pads, etc., and watching TV and going to the movies, okay? And we're taking in a lot of information here, but in terms of getting the brain really well wired to pick up information off the written page, I don't think that is being done and taking as much time in the classroom or in kids' time away from school as it once did. I think that has a lot to do with why reading scores are flat 
and all efforts in school, as long as we approach it the way we do, are just not going to be able to raise those scores because reading is just not the priority that it once was, either in or out of schools. I don't know what the solution is, but I think that's a big part of the problem that was not included in this really interesting story in The Atlantic. What do you think is responsible for this vexing problem of our inability across the country to raise reading scores? They've been flat for 20 years. What do you think the problem is? Who and or what is to blame? 407-916-5400. I'd love to hear from you, particularly students, parents, teachers, and administrators, of course. 407-916-5400. But anybody, okay? And our text line is open at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. I think it would be awkward if the president were to attend, given all the things he said about Jeb during the campaign. You know, low-energy Jeb and all of this kind of stuff. I can't imagine that uh, the Bush family is too happy with the president, but I'm sure they will welcome Melania. We'll see how it all plays out. At any rate, um, Yaffe and uh, and Steph and uh, and those of you who want to join the conversation here, we have flat reading scores for our kids across the country basically for 20 years, despite all the efforts and all the money to try and change that. What's the problem? What's the solution? You know, I think you made some really good points, actually, in the last segment, especially when you talked about smartphones and, you know, video games and television in some ways, smartphones help you read because you have to, if you're on social media, you have to read posts from other people or you read articles. But I think the real problem is attention span is so <laughs> is so short now yeah. for young people. When you read a book, it takes a lot of focus and it takes time and you have to sit there and actually pay attention for an extended period of time to get through a book. And that seems to be the hardest thing for kids to do because of all of these different things that can distract us. I think you raise a great point. I think a lot of kids now, and it's sad to think, they just think, oh, God, reading a book is so boring. You know, they want the next thing, the next image coming up in 10 seconds, and books don't work that way. I'm just worried that we just don't have, you know, the repetition for the brain of, of the process of reading and reading and reading. You know, if you don't lay those tracks down on the brain, you know, when you need them, they're not there. Right. Steph, how do you see it? You're a college graduate in your 20s, a smart young lady. What's the problem? Flat reading scores in schools across the land basically for 20 years. Well, I think it has to do with, you know, at home and how these kids are being raised and brought up because you can't keep teachers nowadays like you could before, or at least good quality ones. I mean, they're quitting left and right or their pay's terrible. They don't and, want to deal they, with the issues going on in the classroom. Well, they get abused by students in the classroom, and they don't get backed up by— Oh, no, and the parents, parents are back the child. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and and um, I think those are interesting points as well. And we have some texters who are weighing in on this important issue. Yes, we actually have a couple of people who made this point, bud, uh, blaming it on excessive computer games or um, just computing and video games in general. They think there's a correlation between that— Another person raises a totally different point that none of us thought of, says, regarding our reading scores, keep in mind we have a large part of our population that speak English as a second language, which lowers the average scores because the tests are in English. Yeah. So you have a lot of people that speak Spanish. English is their second language. So when they take these tests, 
Yeah. You know, I don't know how much of a factor that is. I'd have to look at the statistics, but yeah, it's an and interesting I, and point. I don't have the stats this morning. I mean, there were so many facets to this problem, but I, um, you know, another thing that came to my mind is it seems like schools nowadays are more focused on STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, and it's all STEM, 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 and there's not as much focus on literature and reading and writing and reading comprehension as there used to be. Yeah. And, and, and what I don't understand is, I mean, you know, it, just because we used to do things a certain way and it seemed to work doesn't mean that it's the way we need to keep on doing it. I mean, it, it may well be that uh, somehow with all of these technological changes, somehow reading will not be as important or will somehow be able to get so much more information in ways we could never get it before that we'll still be okay. I hope and pray that's true. I don't know. It worries me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I'm i I'm worried too because I think it is a problem and I think people do need to read more. Frankly, read more books. Again, <laughs> again, you know, we're not the sharpest pencils in the drawer, but reading is critical to being able to do this show. Oh. You know that as well as I do when you're doing your show or filling in for me. You know, and I and I in the past like 10 years of my life, I've really focused on reading a lot of books, you know, history, philosophy, stuff like that because it's not just reading the news, but you have to have an understanding of the background of things that are being talked about. And if you don't read books, you don't have that understanding. Amen to that. Coming up, Deborah Roberts with the news at the top of the hour as the U.S. negotiates for the release of Americans long held in North Korea and Florida's air pollution. She says it's improving, so we have some good news as well. Then we're going to get into a controversy in Jacksonville that has gone viral. The great flag flap. My take and yours in the 7 o'clock hour. Good morning, Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Coming up on 659. Good morning, Orlando. Good Thursday morning to you here at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. You're just in time for our latest check on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the U.S. is negotiating for the release of Americans in North Korea. And some good news on a Thursday Florida's air pollution is improving. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Patriots, next up on Good Morning Orlando, the great Jacksonville flag flap. We'll want to hear from you. And good Thursday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 1025. President Trump says negotiations are underway for the release of three American prisoners in North Korea. Speaking in Florida yesterday, Trump said the U.S. campaign of maximum pressure on North Korea is working. He also thanked China for help with North Korea. I want to thank publicly President Xi of China, who has done more for us than he's done for any other administration or than any leader of China has done for any president or administration. He stressed that there is a bright path available to North Korea, and the president hopes to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in coming weeks. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Authorities are investigating the death of former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster's father. It was reported on Wednesday that the death of 84-year-old H.R. McMaster Sr. is being considered suspicious after allegations that he did not receive proper treatment. McMaster died at a retirement community in Philadelphia last week after apparently falling on his head, but local media reports claim staffers at the center say records about the incident have been falsified. 
The Pennsylvania Attorney General's Office is reportedly investigating the incident. His son, H.R. McMaster Jr., was replaced as National Security Advisor earlier this month. Florida is earning improved grades for air pollution. The American Lung Association's 2018 State of the Air report finds that Florida has seen a slight decrease in ozone pollution, also known as smog, since last year, while the rest of the country is trending upward. Barbara Olson with the American Lung Association describes how emission standards and cleaner gasoline are helping cut pollution in urban areas. We've seen regulations on our cars so that we have much lower emissions. Uh, We have cleaner gasoline that are producing much less uh, gas, you know, off-gassing that causes some of the air pollution as well. Panama City, Palm Bay, Melbourne, Titusville, and Tallahassee rank among the cleanest cities for ozone pollution. Palm Bay, Melbourne, and Titusville are also among the cleanest cities for short-term and year-round particle pollution, also known as soot, along with Orlando, Daytona Beach, Lakeland, Fort Myers, and Sarasota. Compared to other places I've lived and other places I've traveled to, I think the air quality in Florida is really good. I think one reason is it's flat and it's breezy down here in the semi-tropics, and you get great ventilation. I think it makes a big difference. I, I think we do pretty well. I think we do. And I think, you know, the more you can go and sit on the beach and let those sea breezes just blow the smog away from you, the better. <sighs> oh, heaven on earth. Yeah, it certainly is. And, hey, speaking of gas, have you filled the tank lately? Boy, that went up 25 cents overnight a couple of days ago. Yes, it did. We, if, if you haven't noticed, like Bud just said, gas prices are up a lot. Just in the past two days, we've seen the average price rise about a total of 10 cents. And we might be in for a few cents more here in the coming days because we've seen pretty strong gains in both wholesale prices and oil prices are rising, which is making the, the price of producing gasoline just that much more expensive. So there's some pain at the pump right now, and it might get a little bit worse before it gets any better. Well, that's great news. AAA's Mark Jenkins says if there's more unrest in the Middle East or a tropical storm or a hurricane to start the summer, gas prices could reach $3 a gallon. Ouch. Yeah, I know. Finally, beach season is closing in, so a New York retina surgeon is warning you that your eyeballs can get sunburned, too. The condition is called photokeratitis and is extremely painful. Dr. Avnish Diabakta of New York Eye and Ear Infirmary says, fortunately, the damage is reversible if a patient stays out of the sun sees a doctor, and gets special eye drops. He says the best way to minimize your risk is to wear sunglasses with UV protection. Yeah, I guess. You can get uh, skin cancer in your eyes. I did not know that. I didn't even know your eyes could get sunburned. Yeah, a friend of mine, you know, grew up in Miami, and he's older now, and he has, you know, he had to get parts of his eyelid, you know, removed and stuff because Because of of skin skin cancer. Skin cancer. It just goes to show if you're as and here in Florida, we get so much residual sunshine. We always think about going out and actively taking in the sun. But we don't have to do that here in the sunshine state. Just walking to your car, yeah. driving. You, you notice one of your arms is always darker than the other. I do notice that because we get so much residual sunshine. So, yeah, a lot of care has to be taken out in the sun, including your eyes. WFLA News Time at 7.07. Hey, read about how you can make your wallet great again, especially with that news about gas prices at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Just ahead, we're going to talk about the great Jacksonville patriotic flag flap. Stay tuned, Patriots, on that. It's coming up for the Frontgate Realty Studio. 
Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. First of all, though, I want you to stay tuned right now for your shot at winning your share of $880,000 in cold cash at our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Once you get in on this right now, you could be a winner. Listen for the new keyword of the hour coming right up and text that word to 200-200. You could be our next $1,000 winner. Had one recently up in Deltona. We got a word for Deb coming right up, and we have an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes as well on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Patriots, listen closely. I want to see what you think about this story. It comes from Jacksonville, where a city code inspector and her supervisor have now been placed on leave after a controversial citation that they issued, or the code inspector did to Jaguar Power Sports for flying military flags. Okay? Now, a store manager recorded video of the incident at Jaguar Power Sports that quickly went viral on social media. It's silent surveillance. Uh, You can see it on the website at 1025wfla.com. Keyword Budman Yaffe has all of that posted there for you. This happened on Monday when City Code Inspector Melinda Power came into Jaguar Power Sports on a separate issue regarding the blockage of a part of the sidewalk from some of the products that they sell, motorcycles, bikes, etc. Okay, a legitimate thing, all right? Um, but apparently she then returned later with her supervisor and issued a warning for the amount of flags that were being displayed on the roof of the building. They had some military flags. They had the American flag, two of them higher than any other, just the way that's supposed to be. And um, and all of a sudden said that is a violation of city code, and we're going to issue a citation. Well, what happened was there was a veteran there who took exception to that, a retired veteran, and the inspector really got into it with him and really insulted him, and all of this came to light on social media. There have been 10 million hits, and the uh, code inspector has... Uh, has uh, apologized. We have that for you. The mayor has weighed in as well. Let's listen now to the store manager of Jaguar Power Sports, you know, who just was just chagrined that there would be any issue with these patriotic flags flying proudly over their store. We cater to our men and women, uh, both retired and active in the military. So um, it was kind of personal. Felt like it was a bit of a personal attack. And a witness in the store described what happened when a customer who's a retired veteran told the code enforcement officer it was wrong to order the flags be removed. She says, so what did you do for this country? He says, well, I, you know, I took three bullets to the, to the leg. I almost lost my leg for this country. Like, I'm, I'm retired. I'm, I'm a veteran. And she gets in his face about this close, and she says, you did nothing from this country. She, you did nothing for this country. This chick said to this retired veteran who almost lost a leg. Finally, local veterans who frequent the store reacting angrily to the code enforcement officer and supporting the store. If this business doesn't support, didn't support veterans, I wouldn't be here right now. I was enraged. I mean, I'm retired Navy. My son's retired Army. We put our butts out there and they're going, I don't like it. They're flying a flag on their building. It's not out in the street. It's not in the public right away. All these flags represent people who've lived, worked, died, serving our country so that we can do this. And you know what? Kudos to the Republican mayor of Jacksonville. His name is Lenny Curry. He's gotten involved on behalf of the store and the veterans. 
He formerly served as chairman, by the way, of the Republican Party of the state of Florida. I wonder whether a Democrat mayor in most cities of substantial size are run by Democratic mayors, okay? Whether they would have stepped in on the side of, of, the, um, of the store. Curry said in a statement, apologizing to the business, while current ordinance does not address residents' or businesses displaying military flags, I will not allow any citation of those who demonstrate their support for the armed forces. My team is working with the city's Office of General Counsel to bring clarity to the relevant city laws. So they need to make some changes and some clarification there. Maybe technically the code enforcement officer was right that there was a violation. But to get in the face of a retired veteran with such an attitude and to say the things that she said to him... And the haughty attitude she has, she's, it's right that she is suspended. There are those who say she ought to be fired. I don't necessarily know whether that is so or not. But I will have the apology from the code officer who had the world come down on her on social media. We'll have that in a moment. But you tell me, where do you stand on the great flag flap in Jacksonville? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. So the great Jacksonville flag flap has um, gone viral. And boy, I'll tell you what, that, um, that city code inspector, Melinda Power, never expected the world to come down around her, I think, for the attitude she displayed toward that retired veteran in that Jaguar Power Sports. You know, when she said to him, it is reported, hey, you took, you know, three bullets in the leg and almost lost your leg, but you didn't do anything for this country. I just think her attitude about, uh, you know, trying to uh, hit him with a citation for having these patriotic flags of the military branches and the American flag um, displayed proudly outside their store. I mean, you know, For goodness sakes, give me a break. Yaffe, what's her apology amount to at this point? Yes, and by the way, I'm having to translate a little bit because her spelling and some grammar is off, but I'm going to do my best. I don't Ah. know know if she was just typing really fast or she's not the sharpest tool in the the drawer or whatever. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Um, She said this. She says, I have the utmost respect for the military. My father was a World War II POW, husband Vietnam vet, Son-in-law retired Marine Brigadier General. Uh, while most will not agree the citation for military signs was a code violation, this was changed today as it should be. The veteran business owner put him in the conversation who was also not pleased. I thought he said, do you know what I did? I said nothing. That's when he said bullet wounds, etc., Tempers on all sides flared. I should never have been unprofessional and disrespectful, period. Sincerely apologize. There you go. Well, that's all right. That's good, I think, on her part. I'm glad you're able to pick your way through that minefield of misspelling. Yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, a little all over the place, but yeah. And I, I frankly think if they can get her straightened out, technically she's right, it's a violation. It was her haughty attitude, particularly toward a veteran. I think that's the most offensive thing. I mean, I, I think, you you know, you give her a good talking to and you give her another chance. I mean, am I being too lenient here? Or do you, or do you what do you do, Yaffe? Do you fire her or what do you do? Uh, I don't know. I would probably fire her. Here's Mike in Lake Mary. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, bud. Love the show. Thank you. Quickly, please. You know, what has Melinda done for our country? One, two, 
I've not served. I'm not a veteran, but I respect and I thank all the veterans who are listening out there for your service. You're wonderful. And uh, I'm a home builder by trade. I work with municipal governments daily. Some officials are great and others, they can kiss my butt. Uh, you run into people like Melinda Power? Unbelievable. Godlike, but yeah. and, uh, it's wrong. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. On the road from Sanford, Robert weighing in, a 30-year-plus veteran. Go ahead on the flag flap in Jacksonville. Yeah, but I'm glad to be with you. In fact, I'm on my way out to VA for an appointment anyway, but uh, what I had uh, have run into that attitude quite a bit with city officials like that, especially code enforcement. Up in Sanford, I was parking my truck in this one spot for over 15 years. Then they finally come in and said, you either got to make a uh, parking pad or move it. Next door to me is a commercial truck parked on the grass. They said nothing to them. But me being a veteran, oh, yeah, they went after me, but they didn't go after the neighbor. Well, I hate that. I really do. I really admire you for how you served our country for so long. God bless you, my friend. I just don't know how many mayors would have gone to bat for the store and the veterans like Republican Jacksonville Mayor Lenny Curry who said, yeah, we got to redo the language on the code, no doubt about that, but I will not allow any citation of those who demonstrate their support for the armed forces. You know, I just really question if you had a Democrat mayor, I got to be honest with you, whether you would have seen that support that you saw from the Republican mayor there. Kudos to him. And that's the great Jacksonville flag flap, and we'll stay tuned for more on it. Bottom of the hour now, Deborah Roberts updating the U.S., negotiating for the release of Americans in North Korea. And David Bowie's handwriting has been turned into fonts. It's coming up at 7.30 from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch. Welcome aboard at 7.30. Deborah Roberts joining us now with the bottom of the hour news update in our 7 o'clock hour. We've been talking a lot. We were earlier about President Trump and uh, the expected summit meeting with the North Korean dictator. You've got more on all of that this morning. Yes, I do. President Trump says he wants to see a nuclear-free Korean peninsula. Trump made the comment during a news conference with Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe in South Florida yesterday. The president also expressed cautious optimism about a planned meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The meeting is not a certainty, but Trump has said he'd like to see it happen later this spring or in early June. In the meantime, President Trump says the U.S. is negotiating for the release of three American prisoners in North Korea. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The handwriting of some dead rock legends is getting turned into font. This is so cool. Fascinating. It is. A project called Songwriters Fonts has created downloadable fonts from the scripts of David Bowie, John Lennon, Kurt Cobain, Leonard Cohen, and Serge Gainsbourg. The project's website says they were made from the musicians' original handwritten notes and letters, and they're available online for free. So when you would then go ahead and, say, write an email online... It could be made to look like David Bowie would have written it. Yeah. Isn't that cool? You know what I'd love to do? Wouldn't it be incredible if they could do this with, like, George Washington or oh, Ben Franklin yeah. or Abraham Lincoln? 
None you of us write that good, though. Well, but wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, but we could if 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 they if they were able to make that adaptation. That's uh, somebody needs to get that done. I'd be in on that all over the place. I, I have a that. feeling, Bud, that might be the next font that's released, and it will be courtesy of the Bud Man. Man, I'll start every email four score. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Deb. San Francisco engineers think they've figured out a way to straighten the leaning and sinking Millennium Tower. Don't know if you've heard about this, but they're proposing a uh, to drill piles into the bedrock on one side and just let the other side keep sinking for a few years until it straightens out. They estimate the fix could cost as much as $500 million, but it only took $350 million to build the 58-story condo high-rise at Fremont and Mission Streets. Since it was completed in 2009, the tower has sunk about 17 inches is leaning around 14 inches Whoa. and has been sued by hundreds of the condo owners who paid top dollar to be located in Millennium Tower. Well, it's really scary. I mean, it's like a modern version of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but not. I don't think anybody's living in that one over in Italy, you know. Yeah, no. Uh, and but, it's but, taken but, centuries to lean that far. This has only been since 2009. Can you imagine, you know, shelling out gazillions of dollars for a 58-floor penthouse? You know, and, and watch, having it on a slant like that. Exactly. Only to watch your sugar bowl continue to slide off the counter. That is amazing. Isn't it? All right. Speaking of amazing, I have something for the Bud Man. And what would that be? That would be New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. Gronk now has some skin in the Kentucky Derby, you know. I thought you were going to tell me he's going to retire because he's no. been playing around with that. I wouldn't bring you that news well, as part of the Dub segment. There. Okay, I'm okay now. Go ahead on Gronk and the Kentucky Derby. But thanks for putting me on that notice. I'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Gronk <laughs> tweeted that he's bought a minority stake in a racehorse named Gronk. The three-year-old colt will race in the May 5th Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs. The family of the horse's trainer are huge Patriots fans who named the cult after Gronkowski. Fantastic. Watch him straight arm the other horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> See, she's a Green Bay fan. You're just bitter. I am. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. Don't worry. Another 10 or 20 years, they'll be competitive. Oh, you know what? I hope what? Gronkowski announces his retirement. Hey, that will be breaking news. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to go look for it right now. Get out of here. <laughs> the Deb Meister with our news, Tom Bottom of the Hour, whenever it breaks. The best in the business, my co-host here for you on the 50,000-watt front porch. In a moment, something I never heard of, and I bet you haven't either, that we're told is about to change the world. To future world we go, it's digital fabrication. Next, right after the latest update on Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Now, Good Morning Orlando transports you from today to tomorrow and beyond. Prepare to be amazed as you enter Future World. Where we discover something I hadn't heard of until about two days ago, and I'll bet most of you have not heard of yet. It is called digital fabrication. Let me set it up. Over the past 50 years, we have lived through two digital revolutions, one in communication, the other in computation, computers. Together, they have brought us personal computers, mobile phones, and the Internet, radically transforming our lives and our economies. Digital fabrication 
the experts say is now a third revolution, digital fabrication. What in the world is it? It is the process by which data are turned into things and vice versa. All over the world, people are already using a range of computer-controlled tools to make everything from food to furniture and crafts to computers, houses, and cars. Now, when you hear digital fabrication, you might think of 3D printers, 3D dimensional printers, I mean, where anything can be replicated layer by thin layer with computer control. The experts on digital fabrication say that 3D printers are just the most visible manifestation of this new phenomenon, digital fabrication, but only one part of the current toolbox. That there are also machines that cut precisely with lasers, larger rotating cutting tools to carve things like furniture, automated knives to plot out graphics, molds for casting parts, electronic tools to produce, assemble, and program circuits, and scanning tools to digitize objects so they can be transmitted and replicated. Together, these tools add up to a complete fabrication facility known as a fab lab. Never heard of that either. How about you? The number of fab labs, it is reported, has been doubling for more than a decade, and there are now more than 1,000 of them worldwide in locations all over the globe. And um, sooner rather than later, they're going to be able to downsize these fab labs and the cost of them to the point where any one of us will basically be able to have our own fab lab and literally make anything we want. Now, listen to this and the ramifications of it, if this comes true, as many futurists believe it will. The world of digital fabrication. Consider, they say, a simple example of acquiring a toaster. Are you ready? Today, the would-be customer requires a paying job in order to earn the money to purchase a toaster from a store, which arrives in a truck driven on a highway after being picked up from a train on a rail line, which comes in on a ship in a port after being produced in a factory on the far side of the world. Each one of these steps carries with it policies, regulations, taxes, employment, and administration. So what happens then if the toaster is made in a fab lab instead? That's not a hard project. One tool can make a form to cast the body of the toaster. Another can embed the heating elements. A third can produce the electronics to control it. The toaster design can be developed from scratch, customized to reflect personal preferences or downloaded from a design repository. The construction of the toaster in a fab lab bypasses the need for all of these other logistical steps from the trains and the ships to the trucks and the assembly lines. Digital fabrication, they say, Yaffe, we're at the threshold of it exploding and that it will change our world completely. Yeah, it really is amazing to think about. Um, you know, most of the things we get to put in our home, we get at a store, online. It's made in a factory yeah. from somewhere else. Imagine if you could just build all that in your own home. It takes out all of those other elements and it's like you said, it would literally change our economy. It would change 
everything. And I think what they're saying is when you first think, well, wait a minute, the last thing I'm going to do is spend in a week trying to put this darn toaster together. It wouldn't be that way. No, just you'd, do it automatically for you. You'd, you'd hit a few buttons on your computer to customize what you want the toaster to look like and all of this. And all of this would just happen in your own home, in your own little part of your home, your fab lab. Yeah, amazing stuff. Can't imagine, but that's what they say is coming as we visit Future World. We invite you to journey with us next time into Future World, where the wonders of tomorrow are revealed today. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Thursday edition of the show at 8 o'clock as we bring you the very latest we have on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the U.S. is negotiating for the release of Americans in North Korea, and Senator Nelson expresses concerns about Trump's choice to head NASA. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And in our final hour together this morning, Comey Under Fire, the House Call with Dr. Kronhaus and your chance to win a fabulous prize on sound judgment. Stay with us on Good Morning Orlando. Good Thursday morning or Friday Eve. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. President Trump says the U.S. is negotiating for the release of three American prisoners in North Korea. During a news conference at his Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm Beach County, Trump said the U.S. campaign of maximum pressure on North Korea is working. The fact is that they do have three prisoners. Uh, we have been talking about them. We're negotiating now. We are doing our very best. As you know, they've been there a long time. And... It's harsh treatment. He also thanked China for help with North Korea. The president hopes to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in coming weeks, but he did warn that he would leave the meeting if it's not generating results. Trump again called for a denuclearization of the Korean peninsula. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In the meantime, police in Pittsburgh are preparing for protests should President Trump fire special counsel Robert Mueller. City officials say they received information of a potentially large-scale protest that would take place downtown and could happen within 24 hours of Mueller being fired. Officers have reportedly been advised to bring riot gear to work until further notice. A group called Nobody is Above the Law has called for massive protests in the event of Mueller's firing. Already embroiled in a controversy over racism, Starbucks now has to battle a rash of fake coupons circulating on social media. The coupons feature Starbucks drink images, its green brand and barcodes, and implies to offer free drinks to, quote, people of color or African-American heritage, end quote. CNBC reports a spokeswoman denies the coupons have any association with the highly popular coffee company. Starbucks has been the target of protests since the arrest of two black men in Philadelphia who asked to use a Starbucks restroom without making a purchase. The coupons are being shared on a website that spread pro-Donald Trump memes and messages during the 2016 presidential election. Florida U.S. Senator Bill Nelson says the head of NASA needs to be above the fray and outside of politics as usual and absolutely needs to be a consummate science professional. He says the nominee to head the agency falls short in those departments. NASA has always been nonpartisan. And to head this agency, I'm afraid we're hitting a different standard. My concern comes from having witnessed very directly the tragic consequence when NASA leadership has failed us.
Nelson says even when there have been the most benign of intentions, the lessons of Challenger and Columbia demonstrate the price NASA pays when the leadership is not up to the challenge. And finally, speaking of being up to the challenge, NASA's Planet Hunting Telescope is on its way into space after a successful launch from Cape Canaveral. Liftoff, the SpaceX Falcon 9 carrying tests, a planet hunting spacecraft that will search for new worlds beyond our solar system. NASA's TESS, or Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite, is designed to look for planets beyond the solar system that might support life. The two-year mission will pick up where the Kepler Space Telescope left off after discovering about 3,700 exoplanets. TESS will focus on some 200,000 nearby stars, called red dwarfs. The SpaceX launch was delayed for two days by a problem with the Falcon 9 rocket's guidance system, but the first stage of the rocket did successfully land on a drone ship just minutes after the launch. As you and I were discussing earlier in the show, we both had plans. We had made notes. We're going to watch this launch, run outside after we see it online or on TV. We both blew it. We both missed it. And then trying to watch the first stage of the rocket land and TV went ahead and went back to its regularly scheduled programming. I missed the whole thing. Everything went well, though, and they did land that um, stage for reuse on the offshore platform, right? Yeah, offshore platform named, of course, I still love you. Why do they why is it? Why do they name it that? What I think that? they named it that. I think Elon Musk named it that kind of tongue-in-cheek because during the early testing phases, phases remember, they had a, a, a few mishaps. Oh, yeah. the drone, You know, that first stage just slid right off the barge right into the ocean. Right, yeah. So I think it was a tongue-in-cheek reference to, don't worry about a drone ship. Of course, I still love you. That's really cool. Can't wait to see what Tess is able to see in deep space. Can you imagine 200,000 nearby stars? Wow. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07, and you can watch as a stranger comforts a hysterical toddler on a flight, and then the two become best friends. Check out the good news story at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. And good morning. We're glad you're with us. Question of this half hour, and I'd love to get your take on it. Over time, and particularly with his behavior and his new book, have your thoughts about fired FBI Director James Comey changed? I once held this guy in pretty high regard. I no longer do, and I am not at all alone. Comey under fire from a number of fronts, as we'll chronicle in a moment. I'd like to know how you feel about Comey and whether those feelings have changed. 407-916-5400. Text line open at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. We come to you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We want you to stay tuned right now, though, for your shot at winning your share of $880,000 in cash in our ongoing Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. How do we play? Well, here's the deal. Listen for the new keyword of the hour in seconds. Text that word to 200-200. You could be our next $1,000 winner like the one we had recently up in Volusia County. So here comes the keyword, followed by an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, as always, in only two minutes. So stay with us if you can here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. James Comey under fire, and it ought to be able to hit him. He's everywhere. I mean, my goodness, he's not only being interviewed by supposedly legitimate news operations, although... ABC Stephanopoulos interview was just unbelievable how they edited that thing to make Comey come off great. Um, and, and no surprise there, they lean to the left on ABC. 
and other interviews are coming up. He'll he'll pop up on CNN shortly. He's got I think he's got Jake Tapper today. Uh, I, at some point at the end of the line, Brett Baer on Fox. That'll be interesting. But I mean, he was on the View yesterday. He's been on Colbert late at night. I mean, give me a break. And I'm telling you, he's even been interviewed by WFTV Channel 9's anchor Greg Warmoth. I mean, he's doing interviews really? with everybody. Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, 11 House Democrats make that House Republicans, including Ron DeSantis, Matt Gates, and Ted Yoho of Florida, um, want Comey investigated in a criminal probe. Now, they want an investigation into potential violations that cover everything from the handling of the Clinton email probe to the anti-Trump dossier funding to the Uranium One controversy. And they made their case in a letter that was sent yesterday to Attorney General Jeff Sessions and FBI Director Christopher Wray. So we'll see how all of that plays out. What I want to share with you right now is under the heading of Comey Under Fire. You know, we can sit here on the outside and assess James Comey long in the FBI and the fired FBI director here. And I used to hold him in pretty high regard before I really got to know what this guy is all about. But who would know better than somebody who worked closely with him inside the agency for years? And that's why I think it is worth listening to the words of Chris Swecker, a retired FBI agent who served 24 years and worked on a regular basis with James Comey. Here is what he writes. Through his actions during his relatively brief tenure as FBI director and now in penning and promoting a salacious tell-all book, it is now quite evident that James Comey's higher loyalty is to James Comey and James Comey alone. It is not, he writes, by any stretch of the imagination to the FBI where I served for 24 years or to the selfless men and women who work there, all of whom he has tossed once again into the middle of a political firestorm. The ancient Greeks had a word for the excessive vanity that would cause someone to place his interests before those of his country and those of the dedicated public servants he was called to lead. It is called hubris. There is no other plausible explanation for this series of ill-advised actions, beginning with a then-director's now infamous press conference in July 2016, when he acted contrary to U.S. Attorney's, the U.S. Attorney's Manual and over 100 years of established practice between the FBI and the U.S. Department of Justice. He did this, Comey did, in declaring, without ever consulting with a DOG prosecutor, that Hillary Clinton was unprosecutable in the wake of a kid gloves investigation. His actions are unworthy of the storied law enforcement agency I served for close to a quarter of a century, and they shocked many of us who worked with and around him during his years serving in the Department of Justice. I'll finish up with what this retired FBI agent who knew Comey well and worked with him for many years and once held him in pretty high regard but sees him differently. I'm talking about retired agent Chris Swecker here in just a moment. Don't miss the rest of what he has, particularly in the light of the new Comey book that he is promoting to anybody who will stick a microphone and or a camera in his face. My feelings for James Comey have changed dramatically from what they once were. 
Where are you on James Comey? Have your feelings changed? What's your take on the fired FBI director now? 407-916-5400, text line open 23680. Our standard message and data rates apply there, of course, as you know. Scathing indictment of fired FBI director James Comey by a former assistant director of the FBI, a 24-year veteran of FBI service, now retired, Agent Chris Swecker. And um, he retired from the Bureau as assistant director with responsibility over all FBI criminal investigation, currently practices law in North Carolina. And um, more on what he writes of Comey, particularly focusing here on this new salacious tell-all book that doesn't break much new ground in terms of hard news, but is just appears to be, as I told you it was right off the bat, um, a book that is bent on revenge. For Trump firing him. So the agent, the retired agent, Swecker, writes this. Comey's book removes any doubt that personal animus toward Donald Trump and acute sensitivity to the political environment permeated his inner circle and drove key actions and decisions. Regardless of how one feels about Trump's presidency, Comey's petty references to the president's physical appearance and other aspects of his personality are far more revealing about Comey than anyone else. He describes Donald Trump Um, Comey does in the book is acting like a mob boss and not tethered to the truth. He pronounces the president a liar and morally unfit to be president. Then, Yaffe, you listen to this in particular because this is a direction you and I took on this um, on this issue. If okay, if he feels this way, he had some options he never took earlier on. James Comey and retired agent Swecker writes this. If Comey truly believed this was so then he had a golden opportunity on several occasions to act on conviction and either forcefully stand up to the president or resign on principle. The truth is that Jim Comey relished the role of FBI director and wanted to keep his job, so he remained silent until he miraculously found the courage to speak up while out promoting his book. In closing... The retired agent Swecker writes, the public needs to understand that this is not really how the FBI operates within today's criminal justice system. Jim Comey and his discredited inner circle in no way represent the FBI and its dedicated men and women. FBI agents may have political and personal opinions, but they check them at the door as they leave their homes to conduct the public's business. It is very painful for this FBI veteran to say that the Comey manuscript, the book, with its petty and gratuitous observations, self-aggrandizement, and moralizing, sadly displays an ego that is loyal first and foremost to its author. The self-aggrandizing um, you know, that Comey does is the thing I notice the most. Puffing himself up big yeah, time. I'm just and, like, man, that guy thinks highly of himself. And as you were n- noting, there's a common thread between what we have here that Swecker's put his name on. He's retired. And yeah. other agents who are staying anonymous but seem to have real problems with Comey, particularly in light of this book. Yeah, there were some reports that FBI agents really don't like what he's doing. They supported him initially, but now they're like, oh, this is not good. I once really did see Comey as kind of a, a Boy Scout, a true patriot, and really in FBI work for all the right reasons, you know. And, and boy, I'll tell you what. I just cannot believe how duped I feel in that regard now. And I think a lot of folks' feelings have changed. Yeah, And yours as well, I'm sure, right? 
Okay, there you go. The House Call with Dr. Kronhaus, breaking health and medical news you do not want to miss. Coming up right after the backside of the news update with Deborah Roberts, who's going to focus on many things, including the United States now negotiating for the release of Americans long held in North Korea as prisoners. And a woman reunited with her lost class ring after 47 years. We'll get the backstory there. The Deb Meisters next. Good morning to you at 829. Deborah Roberts joining us. We've been talking about um, President Trump and um, his latest comments about an expected meeting with the North Korean dictator. There are many things, though, that need to be worked out with North Korea moving ahead. Deb, you're focusing on that, first of all, on the news update. Yes, I am, where President Trump says the U.S. is working for the release of three American prisoners being held in North Korea. During a news conference at his Mar-a-Lago resort Wednesday, Trump said the U.S. campaign of maximum pressure on North Korea is paying off. He also thanked China for its efforts with North Korea. The president, as you said, Bud, hopes to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in the near future, but he warned that he would leave the meeting if it isn't productive. Trump again called for a denuclearization of the Korean peninsula. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A woman is reunited with a class ring she lost 47 years ago. The ring was found during a construction project at Lloyd Norrick's High School in Kalamazoo, Michigan. A man was taking apart lockers when the class ring fell out. He then gave it to a school official, and she set out to find the ring owner using the engraved initials A-O on the ring. Eventually, amazingly... That's not much to go on. No, but the ring owner was found to be a woman named Angelita, whose previous name was Oliveris. She thought someone had stolen the ring and she was overjoyed to hear that it had been found. Isn't that cool? We, we hear so many interesting stories about these, these cherished rings, wedding rings or whatever that get lost. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, you remember the one that what, what was it? maybe a wedding ring or something, lost it while gardening, and it... Grew around a, ca- a carrot, it, grew a around carrot. it. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. Remember that, was, that? that was really cool. That's yeah. the coolest story I've ever heard in that regard. I'm trying to think <laughs> if there's anything in my life that I lost years ago that I wish I could find. I just I can't think of anything, though. And thinking of this story, I was like, you know, I loved my class ring, but I couldn't tell you if I even still have it, much less if I'd, if I'd known where I'd yeah. lost it. Do you yeah. have a class ring? Did you get a class ring? I never did get a class ring. Isn't you that didn't? strange? Because I really, yeah, I, I, I loved high school and college. I, I can't even remember why I never got one. Especially as a history buff and as a guy who still gets together with the, uh, with the singing guys. I know, from Colgate and all of that stuff. I have no class ring. I don't know what happened to me there. Well, you're going to wonder what happened with my next story. Oh, okay. A Georgia high school student says she had a good reason to show up at her prom in a casket. Alexandria Clark arrived at the America's Sumter High School senior prom in a hearse and then was unloaded from the vehicle in a casket. This is grim. Yeah. The aspiring funeral director. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> said she wanted to send a message to her fellow classmates about the dangers of drinking and driving. Oh, that's good. Okay. That's all right. Ah, now this is all working And she went me. all out. Yeah, she did. and everything. She saw, also admitted she hoped the stunt would be amusing. Probably hoping to get a little bit of viral action, I'm going to assume there. Yeah, doesn't take much. That no, probably it did it. That doesn't. All right, overseas, Saudi Arabia breaks a 35-year ban on cinema with an historic screening of Black Panther. The groundbreaking Marvel movie screened last night in Riyadh at the first movie theater to open in Saudi Arabia since a ban on cinemas was lifted in December. And that was their choice. And huh? that was their choice. Wow, it's doing worldwide box offices. It's a love to know why they chose that. That's very interesting. I know. 
And finally, sticking all overseas, officials in India say a wandering leopard ended up locked inside a man's bathroom. <laughs> the large cat apparently ran into the man's home Sunday. The man was able to confine it to the bathroom and then call authorities. Well, officials attempted to shoot it with a tranquilizer dart through a vent about 10 feet above the floor. Yeah, Kitty didn't like that. The leopard put up a fight by leaping up at the vent and swiping at it. What they should have done is got a laser pointer. <laughs> I love that commercial. <laughs> Distract it with that. Have yeah. you seen the commercial no. where the guys are sitting in the car and the mountain lion jumps on the hood of their car? No. It's farmer's insurance. And the guy takes the laser pointer on the end of his keychain and actually gets the cat to go and chase the laser pointer and get away from the car. I have not seen it. Well, eventually, <laughs> that's, what they done. that's what they should have done. But back in India, eventually authorities were able to inject it with a tranquilizer with a long pole. The leopard was taken to a forest service facility and is expected to be released back in the Or wild. what you do is you get a box, a big <laughs> box, because cats love boxes. They do. So they'll get in the box and they'll lay down. It's That's what they should have done. It's not. It's not Spiro, there, your cat. It's <laughs> there a is, there's video out, believe it or not, of people putting like big boxes in lion cages and tiger cages, and they love it. Even they, they the go, lions leap into the box? Oh, yeah. They love it. They go nuts for it. It's weird. <laughs> See? Cats are weird. <laughs> so you just... They should have got a box and a laser pointer. <laughs> See, I should have been there. I would have been able to handle this situation. Yeah. Here comes here comes Mike Yaffe, <laughs> Wildlife Rescue, with a box and a laser pointer. I've got it. All right. This is fun. But over in a corner, we got Dr. Ken Kronhouse looking at his watch. It's his time now. Oh. We got the house call coming up. Ted, thank <laughs> you, got, you. You got it. You want to know about the egg recall that is growing, now involving some Publix eggs? And what about this um, order to watch out for romaine lettuce because of E. coli? Um, breaking health and medical news, and that, and a whole lot more from Dr. Kronhaus right next. Uh, next up here on News Radio 1025 WFLA, right after we update news, weather, and traffic, which we'll do here in two minutes. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. Doc, always great to have you with us. Everybody waits for your weekly house call at 840 on Thursdays. Thanks, as always, for coming by. Great to be with you, bud. So much news on a couple of very concerning food recalls now and the prospect of some really serious uh, illnesses that can result if you're not careful. Let's talk, first of all, about the growing egg recall and the salmonella scare. Sure. Over 200 million eggs but have been recalled across nine states due to possible salmonella contamination. The symptoms of downing salmonella, their diarrhea, stomach cramps, and fever. So to play it safe, do not eat foods with raw or undercooked eggs unless they're pasteurized. And keep all eggs refrigerated at 40 degrees or cooler to keep bad bacteria from growing. I don't know that I've ever had any salmonella poisoning or whatever. What happens to you when that happens? How serious can this be? Oh, it can be uh, quite serious. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I, I talked about the symptoms, diarrhea, stomach cramps, and fever. Um, if it doesn't get better on its own, you got to see the doctor. Absolutely. Right now, they're talking about watch out for romaine lettuce. They're worried about E. coli. That's potentially deadly stuff. What can you tell us? Absolutely. This is out of the CDC that the outbreak of E. coli illness 
Tainted uh, from tainted Arizona, romaine lettuce continues to expand. 53 people so far reported ill. The illnesses have been identified as linked uh, to a particularly virulent strain of E. coli. It's the so-called O157H7, and cases have now been reported in 16 states. Although no deaths have been reported, 65% have been hospitalized, and that's a pretty high percentage for E. coli, including five who developed a type of kidney failure which is called hemolytic uremic syndrome, and that's a pretty significant illness. So chopped romaine lettuce from Yuma, Arizona, growing region. It appears to be contaminated with this E. coli and making people sick. Um, E. coli illness can be very serious, even deadly, as you pointed out. Um, Usually illness sets in in an average of three to four days, but after swallowing the germ, most people get diarrhea. This is often bloody and severe stomach cramps and vomiting also occur. For most, recovery will occur within a week, but more severe cases last longer, and that's the time to see the doctor. So further notice, hold the eggs, hold the romaine. Let's move ahead here on the house call, Doc. You know, you always tell me, watch the salt intake. It'll spike your blood pressure. There's some new related research. What do you have on that? PLS-1 this week. There's a natural gene uh, that occurs in 48% of people. It's increasing a person's chance of having blood pressure that's sensitive to salt. About 3 out of 10 people are sensitive to salt. And their inability to eliminate excess salt puts them at increased risk of heart attack, strokes, kidney failure, and blindness. About 14% of people can have normal blood pressure and still be salt sensitive. That makes this hard to diagnose for some. Having too much sodium in the body causes the body to retain water, which can raise blood pressure and significantly shorten one's lifespan. My goodness. And you know... There's also new research this morning, and we hear a lot about this with football players and concussions and long-term issues. Now there appears to be a link of concussions to Parkinson's disease or the risk of it. Exactly. Neurology Journal this week, if you've ever had a mild concussion, that's traumatic brain injury, your risk of developing Parkinson's disease goes up by 56%. But before you panic, it's not as bad as it sounds because these new findings do not mean that everyone who has ever had a concussion is doomed to develop the degenerative neurological disorder that affects coordination of movement. The lifetime risk of Parkinson's is probably about 1% to 2% for all of us, so a greater than 50% increase in that risk is not as alarming as it sounds. And white coat syndrome. Yeah, if people just spot a doctor like you in a white coat and the blood pressure goes through the roof. Uh, this is the real deal, right? Well, New England Journal of Medicine this week, important article that white coat hypertension, it occurs when the blood pressure reading at the doctor's office is higher than it is when checked at home or in other settings. White coat hypertension, it affects a whopping 30% of Americans. It was once thought that it was just the temporary stress of being at the doctor that caused a spike and that did not indicate a bigger problem. But the news this week is that the risk of death is nearly twice as high for patients with white coat hypertension compared to patients whose blood pressure is normal when taken at the doctor's office and at home. However, blood pressure measurements taken at home regularly are a stronger predictor of cardiovascular deaths than doctor's office readings. All right, we spent a little extra time on the food recalls earlier, so just time for one more item. Uh, You pick it, Doc. Take it away. Sure. Um... 
losing, this is out of the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Again, how important sleep is. Losing just one night's sleep causes an immediate increase in beta amyloid, proteins in the brain that clump together to form brain plaques, characteristic of Alzheimer's disease. This new study is the first to show that sleep helps to clear beta amyloid, a metabolic waste product present in the fluid between the brain cells from the human brain. So the bottom line is, but if you're sleepy during the day, you're at increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. Boy, who knew? That's why we have you with Breaking Health and Medical News, Dr. Kronhaus, every Thursday at 840. Everybody loves the house call, and we love you, my friend. Have a great day at Lake Cardiology. Give my best to your staff as well. Thank you, and be well, bud. All right, good deal. And if you want the best in heart care, you schedule an appointment where I go for heart care. Dr. Kronhaus at Lake Cardiology, 352-735-1400, He's got the BudScan 2.0 heart scan. That's a lifesaver. Most insurance will cover it. Ask about that. Call him today. Catch Doc on the nationally syndicated radio program he does so well. Right here on WFLA every Sunday afternoon at 2. It is Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. We're going to wrap it up with an opportunity for you to win our sound judgment game. If you haven't won it in 30 days, you're eligible. We have a prize worth more than $250. Hop on the 50,000-watt front porch. Contestants, call me now, 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400. Sound judgment coming up right after our last look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Fabulous. Good morning, Orlando. Sound judgment prize for the game winner. We're playing in just a moment. Steph, what about that prize? That's right. Our sound judgment today is a $260 value, and you're going to the International Christian Film and Music Festival on us. It's coming up May 1st through the 5th at the fabulous Wyndham Orlando Resort. Today's winner gets a family four-pack of producer tickets that give you access to movies, seminars, private screenings, special presentations, and award ceremonies. For more on the International Christian Film and Music Festival, go to internationalcff.com. Okay, today marks the anniversary, April 19th, of the worst pre-9-11 terrorist attack on American soil, the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City by domestic terrorist Timothy McVeigh, who was later executed for this horrendous crime that claimed nearly 170 lives. want you to listen to some news coverage of the Oklahoma City bombing, then use your sound judgment to tell me who was President of the United States when this happened. Terror rocks Oklahoma City. The ceiling fell in and the walls fell in and there was nothing left. A deadly blast tears through a community. It's like a war zone down there. And a nation. Who was president when the Oklahoma City bombing happened on this date? You can do it. 407-916-5400. Line two, take your best shot. William Jefferson Clinton. 1995. Sounds like you might have it. Let's listen. I will not allow the people of this country to be intimidated by evil cowards. That sounds like Slick Willie. He was the president, and you're very good. Great student of history, my friend. Way to go. Yes, thank you, bud, for all you do. Love your show, and uh, I want to thank you for uh, being there during Hurricane Irma. 
where you coached us through the wee hours of the night as we went through the eye of the hurricane. Well, we had a great team backing us up here. Everybody listen to WFLA. We're where you go for hurricane coverage, and we're privileged to bring it to you. Thank you for that acknowledgement on behalf of the rest of the team who did such great work. If you'll give me your first name, I'll make sure to write you a personal note of congratulations so you get that along with your prize, okay? What is your first name? Jim. Jim, where are you calling in from? Tavares. Fantastic. Up in beautiful Lake County. Great to have you with us. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm glad you enjoy it. It's great to have one of our enthusiastic listeners wind up winning such a great prize on Sound Judgment. Have a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you so much. Yep. But love your show. Ah, thank you so much. We love you too. Don't go away. You and Stephanie are going to work out the arrangement. Busy three hours. Great calls, great texts, hot topics. That's what we try to serve up every morning, and it is great to have you along with us. We hope to see you from 6 until 9 a.m. tomorrow for the Friday edition. For the whole team, the Budman here, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.